Hi, I'm Stuart McLeod, CEO and co-founder of Carbon. Welcome to the Accounting Leaders Podcast, the show where I go behind the scenes with the world's top accounting leaders. Today, I'm joined by Ryan Piercy, Chartered Accountant Head of SB Digital at Scrutton Bland. Ryan is a digital transformation expert and has helped many accounting firms move to the cloud. He's a self-declared geek and a tech enthusiast. He co-hosts the DigiTools in a Cruel World podcast that brings app news, insights, and a healthy dose of banter to the UK accountant industry. He is also a dedicated father to a two-year-old, a keen golfer and a runner. And it's my pleasure to welcome to the Accounting Leaders podcast, Ryan Piercy. Well, firstly, Ryan, welcome to the Accounting Leaders podcast. I was looking back at how long we'd sort of uh, been connected and I thought it was actually a little bit before 2018, but we saw you at uh, Accountex in 2018. Do you remember we probably didn't have much to offer back <laughs> those in those days apart from a banner and a and one person on the boat? I don't know. It might have been a little bit more than that. But Do you know what? I would say I probably knew you guys before that. Oh, so good, that was probably good. more when it logged on the system. Yeah, because 2018 feels a little late for my awareness of, um, of carbon. Mm. So mm. Good. But, Good. There you go. We'll have to merge our uh, get our records better <laughs> operate. Yeah. Well, it's definitely when um, you know you were you were bringing a lot more to the UK at that point. Well, let's go back to the start, right? How did accounting become part of your life? Oh well, that was uh, that was a bit weird. So I did a, a degree in mathematical and theoretical physics, which is not your your kind of entrance wow. area to accounting. But I'd gone through pretty much all of my education, not having a clue what I wanted to do when I grew up and had to you know earn money and came out of that degree still not really having a clue but having now a, a pretty good degree and there was a, a few areas it went into i could carry on kind of study and you know yep. kind of pursue the world of physics um, i could go into teaching or education or i could go into finance financing to be a big thing so i delved into that did some some research on it and found there was kind of two roles that i thought would be a good fit i'd be an actuary or an accountant and i felt the accountant would be more rewarding because you are giving back to people. And that's kind of how it started. I started at a small firm after taking probably a year off, not doing much. And uh, yeah, qualified, moved to a, a top 20 firm and then moved to Scrum Bland, um, which seems the right fit for me. There you go. That's a very technical degree and something that requires a brain much smarter than mine. Was there an academic career or a physics career or a aeronautical career or something in there or you just sort of had the affinity with numbers perhaps yeah i love what it was about and i would never change it i loved learning about how the world works and um, how everything works and the bit that i guess i always found funny is when in my first job as an accountant when i couldn't get something because i struggled with accountancy early on my boss would always say it's not rocket science and i was always so I can do rocket science. Rocket science, I've got. Science, I've <laughs> double got entry. <laughs> double entry, I can't, I can't get. <laughs> the tea ledgers brought you undone. Yeah, exactly. But no, I've. It was, to be honest, the mathematical part of accountancy came easy to me, possibly because of my degree. But the the worded part and the, the arguments and the justification, especially on the kind of audit side, et cetera, was a bit that took a little bit longer. And you joined a. What was your first job like? So it was a small firm. So there was an off uh, kind of a small office or a bigger firm, but um, we gem the office generally kind of ran itself, two partners, and you kind of had to do everything. So I ended up mm -hmm, getting mm -hmm. a really broad experience in that. And I'd say 
it was challenging. There was reasons, you know, that I, I decided to leave and those reasons kind of, I was there nearly 10 years and those reasons never, yeah, never yeah. changed. But I think that set the base experience for everything that I've kind of then built into. You would have learned a lot having to cover all those bases then. Yeah, definitely. And we've, you know, I've always been quite techy and nerdy uh, and ended up moving into kind of a systems role there as well, looking at the, it was pretty early on in cloud accounting. QuickBooks mm. Online was quite prevalent and Zero was coming over to the UK market. And yeah, I was playing around with them, dabbling them. I mean, remember exploring Spotlight reporting back then. So yeah, and that, that was good. Good, good, good. Keeping the Commonwealth companies. Yeah. In, <laughs> in business. Exactly, yeah. But no, it was it was a really good experience. No, it's not one I'd change. And then so from small firm to monolith would have been a cultural shift for you? Yeah, it was odd. I moved into a role and it was like an audit and accounts role. And quite early on, I realised that the portfolio that I'd inherited was a bit small for me. So I was always fishing around for new work. And they mm. just started or just launched like a their own cloud accounting team, which I got involved in. And as I do, I kind of threw myself into it quite fully and uh, ended up leading it basically in the top 20 right. firm. And, and although there was a, a partner there, she was more than happy for me to kind of take the lead and she would over oversee parts. And yeah, I, I pretty much ran a lot of the early strategy, developed a lot of skill set around that because I'd, I'd not got involved in strategy at all and did that for about three years before you know, exploring new and different avenues. So, and moving to Scrum Bland at that time. <laughs> And uh, when you started with Scrutton, what um, what was the sort of dynamics of the firm and what role did you take on? So the firm was what I'd call mid-tier. So I'd gone from small, I'd gone to large, and then this was a mid-tier firm. <laughs> so I was covering- You found your happy Yeah, media. I was covering all bases, basically. And their focus was owner-managed businesses. And that's what I realised when moving to a large firm. I realised actually what I loved was those those people that ran their own business, interacting with them because I think I started to get pigeonholed into a, a bigger corporate dynamic at uh, the firm before, which was McIntyre Hudson, I'd, and I I wasn't enjoying it. So I really liked the fact that I could actually talk to owners of the business, help them you know, with their, with their aspirations. So I moved across. It was a, a general portfolio early on, but with the kind of idea to develop their cloud accounting space, they developed a solution called SB Live, which was about basically three solutions, which was zero dext and futurely at the time but they'd it kind of stalled a bit and they wanted to grow it so i'd already started to do digital transformation in my old firm wanted to bring that across they were quite excited about the opportunities there so i started exploring that we had the advent of mtd for vat at that point early on at at scrum bland which is about four years ago Mm -hmm. and so i ran that project and then from that we started advising clients on uh, systems beyond the likes of you know zero quickbooks sage and we developed a team and developed now what is a service line called sp digital so yeah we created something which was for scrum bland at least completely new and what does the portfolio look like in sp digital is it like a vertical in terms of sort of you know what those clients do or is it horizontal in terms of their you know their business types but the tech stack is sort of similar across all those. No, it is completely bespoke. So what we do is we... Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. So we assess how that business operates. We map out their processes visually. So using a kind of data process tool. Mm-hmm. And then we will recommend systems that fit how they operate. So industry. So there'll be sector specific stuff, but there'll be then functional areas such as expense management or reporting. So literally everything that we end up recommending is a combination of different apps. 
normally admittedly centered around the zero ecosystem, but that's generally because it's larger and has more more opportunity there. But it could have QuickBooks Online at the heart, or and we've looked at the bigger systems such as Accounts IQ, Exact, etc. And on average, at the moment, we identify about a thousand pounds a month in time savings for those businesses that we do this work. So twelve grand a year that they can save in time. Yeah, and the. I imagine if you're putting together this portfolio of, of vendors that it's not only the time savings, right? It's enabling them, the customer base, the client base to get more live data, be better managers, get better insight into their uh, operations. Tell me some of these clients of yours that come to mind in terms of success stories where perhaps you've started with them and they've grown, that you put the tech stack in, they they uncovered levers or metrics that they hadn't had before. What you spoke before about giving back and being involved in these sort of owner-operator businesses. So there must be some great clients that you've worked with. Yeah, definitely. I'll touch on the bit you said first, which is about what do we deliver more than just the efficiency gains? And yeah, we that's exactly right. We focus on three key areas, which is efficiency and automation, but mm -hmm. it's flexibility. I mean, cloud accounting enables so much flexibility in how you operate, and especially for owner own managed businesses, that ability to be able to work from anywhere as they need to, rather than having to go to an office, especially, you know, yeah. since the pandemic. But the, the third yes. and most important one, and the one I think segregates us from, you know, those IT professionals that are used to kind of doing digital transformation is the fact that as accountants, we understand businesses, we understand business owners and what they're trying to achieve. And to do that, they need access to insights. So everything that we design is about making sure that they're getting the right information that at the at kind of the end point through either reporting tools or different tools that kind of bring that information to light. So we focus on what do you want to get out of the system? And then we kind of work backwards to what does that system need to look like and what's the structure of that to deliver. Yeah. But a couple of examples that I guess that I quite like. So one was a not-for-profit. They knew they had to do something. They were on an old system that was working on like MS-DOS in one computer in, in one dusty oh, room. Gosh. Yeah, it was yeah. really old system I'd never heard of. <laughs> Not connected to the internet? No, pretty much. It couldn't. Like, if you connect to the internet, the whole thing falls over. That, <laughs> that kind of system. <laughs> the modem out and dial up. Yeah. And so what we did is we did a, a review and recommended a system in. But we did that. We recommended the system about four months before COVID hit. And we implemented it the yeah, month right. before COVID hit. Oh, very. very it, timing was everything. Yeah. And because if we hadn't done that, they wouldn't have been able to access their finances because they weren't because how they operated they weren't allowed on site none of the finance team were allowed on site the finance system was only on site so they couldn't access anything mm. also over that period you know with a lot of what was going on with covid unfortunately they'd had um, some people mm. from the finance team that couldn't come back to work and yeah. it meant that they couldn't recruit with what everything that was going on so they needed to find a different mm. way of operating to keep the charity going so they managed to outsource to us actually well not to sb digital but another part of the firm just for mm. three months, just whilst they recruited to be able to yep. tick things along. And they wouldn't be able to do that if we hadn't moved them into cloud accounting, which enabled that flexibility. So yeah, it was, they're a massive advocate of ours. It was a huge success story for them and for how we've helped. And yeah, we're really happy with that. But we've also done one where we did a huge bit of work for the hospitality business that was shut down over COVID. We've done things with yep. retail businesses. We've done stuff with like those in trade. So electricians, like gas workers, et cetera. We're not sector specific. We pretty much cover any any yeah. sector. So, yeah, we've got lots of good stories, and I won't bore you. We're running through all of those for the next hour. <laughs> oh no, let's do it. That's the bit that I love. I mean, the 
talk to people like yourself, Ryan, you know, it, it is about the people that you work with and, you know, the reason that you do what you do, well, you tell me, the reason that, that a lot of the, the accountants that, I, that, that we have talked with over the years is, you know, going on that journey, is, is there a client that you've worked with for a long time that uh, you sort of seen grown from success to success and, and uh, you know, we're proud of the way that they've conducted themselves and, you know, succeeded along the way? Yeah, definitely. I mean, so less so, I guess, if I kind of move slightly away from SP Digital, because SP Digital is only three years old now, so it's harder to kind of track that longer term success. But in my old firm, there was a a client that literally I was there for its creation. Two of them were were running the the business. I had to get some investment um, to do that, but it was starting out gambling, not knowing if they'd make it a success or not. <laughs> Loved working with them. When I moved from McIntyre to Scrum Bland, uh, they, you know, I was privileged enough that they wanted to come with me. Cool. Immediately, obviously, once all covenants, et cetera, passed, um, they, they, sure, sure, they sure, reached sure. out to come over. But they've... <laughs> you don't have to have a rider. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. It's going out on the, the public airways. Yeah, you never, sure. never know. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Idea. <laughs> so they were always adamant it would just be them two that they didn't want to grow and then they got to a point where you know they kind of maximized their time like well should we dabble a bit and since that they're now like a team of 10 and they're like approaching audit threshold and yeah they're constantly pushing they've had a couple of difficult years in the past but this year they're flying and it's amazing to see what they've mm. built up over the past what probably six seven years Oh, yeah, cool. What sort of industries uh, are they in? <laughs> so they used to call themselves like a, a Dell Boy and Rodney style business. So they would buy goods from uh, one area, which is they're like a, a huge manufacturer that's trying to offload of goods, and then they'd, they'd sell them into uh, supermarkets or um, big chains, making you know not huge profits every time, but doing it in a, a high volume so that it, it makes a big difference. Mm. And um, they'd always be looking for deals, and so yeah, they always compared themselves to the like the trotters independent traders but they're a much more slick operation than they give themselves credit for at times <laughs> <laughs> very cool and let's talk a little bit about sp digital because it sounds like you've been pretty instrumental in building that out what does the team look like now and what do the growth patterns look like as well cool so as of october 22 we would we're a team of four and mm-hmm. we started off it was just basically part-time myself and one other person we're kind of dipping our toe in the water we had a an objective for, a, I think it was nine months or about 30 odd thousand, which was uh, like some advisory fees, but mostly implementation of systems and training. Yeah. That was kind of what we would do. And then the next year we say, like, okay, let's aim for around uh, 60 odd thousand, kind of look to kind of double where our objective was on the prior year, move a bit more into advisory, which is kind of selecting those systems, recommending them and kind of expand on support as well. So we provide phone and, and email support for clients on various systems. So yeah. And also on that, on the connections between them, because if you look at cloud software, you can get support on the individual piece of cloud software. But then as soon as you've got a connection between two, both vendors tend to go, well, that's not our problem. That's the other. <laughs> then, somebody else yeah, and they just problem. get moved between. So we take up that as, as part of our support. So we expand into that. We beat our target in the second year, not by a huge amount, but that was when COVID had hit and we expected to just you know, it'd fall off a cliff edge. It's advisory. It's not yep. It's not something that a business necessarily needs, but we were lucky enough to beat our target. And then the following year, we'd set ourselves quite a lofty target heading towards more like um, 120, 130,000. And we did not achieve that. That was a tough year. It was uh, that year when 
you're kind of coming through lockdown out the other side, but mm. you're approaching a, a kind of second winter and you're thinking, are they going to lock down again? And every business just went, yeah. oh, we can't afford to put any investment. So we hit around the same as we did the prior year, but it wasn't the growth we wanted. But this year we've hit a target of 150 for the year and we think we're likely to hit that. Although we've got a team of four, we have a hybrid role because we want to make sure that we're still acting as accountants. But the following year, basically every year after this, we're looking at a 30 to 40% growth rate. So, and it, we can't see a reason we wouldn't achieve that. And I imagine that the services that you offer feed directly back into the rest of the firm once those clients are sort of, you know, well-established, they've got their systems under control, the processes and procedures are in place, the tech stack is integrated nicely. Do you have some favourite vendors that you work with when you uh, go into clients? Uh, Favourite's probably not the right word because <laughs> only because we purposely are agnostic. And yeah. there's there's a reason for this. I know that there are people in this space that advise and they get a kickback from software vendors for implementing a lot. We purposely do not accept that. We look to secure discounts for our clients. We pass them on because we want to be completely independent. We take our yep. pride in making sure that it's the right system we're recommending. But there are software that or systems that constantly come up. Uh, Zero is one. And that's mostly because of how great its app store is and the connections and re how robust the connections are to other, other systems. Mm. Dex and Approval Max quite regularly come up from the expense management side and not all the time, but they do regularly come up. Approval Max, especially in the space that we work in, but from a, I guess, quite an advanced tool, one that we specialize in that um, is less prevalent in the UK is one called Scoro, uh, S-C-O-R-O, which is a project management system. And it's right. probably one of the most advanced project management systems, cloud, cloud native systems in the UK that's still affordable for small or medium-sized businesses. So we are one of two referral partners in the UK, and we're looking to move into what's called a reseller model, which just means that we take on the implementations of the software because we've become, yep. not even for any choice or own, there's been so many clients that we've either had directly from Scoro because we can provide advice beyond just the system or through uh, just clients we picked up that actually Scoro is the right fit for that we've now got a, a specialism in this area. And uh, they would appreciate your expertise in in the way that you work with their customers as well. Yeah, definitely. They've um, you know they want a, a deeper relationship with us. They're already aware that from their implementation team, most of those are based in Scandinavia or the US. Right. They want more of a UK team, and and we're working with them to help support them in what's quite a, a lofty growth strategy from their side. But definitely, I could see them achieving it because their system does have or does stand about or stand above in many areas in that project management space. And uh, they're big on the, is that the one that's big on the four-day work week? Was that them? That is indeed, yes. I read about You definitely picked oh, that up. Okay. So they've, I think they went live <laughs> on that in 1st of July. They wanted to go live before that, but for certain reasons, it was not ethically the right time to do it. I think they launched it in July and they do feedback on how well that works. And we, we'd likely to have them again uh, on the, not again, sorry, they'd like to have them on the Digitals in the Cruel World podcast at some point to discuss how effective that's been. There you go. <laughs> Got to drop that in the, there. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> well, we can do promos. That's no worries. <laughs> so have you adopted the four-day work week at uh, Scrut and Bland yet? No, I've got to admit, the first accountancy firm that is bold enough to adopt the four-day work week, I think, is going to be quite a trendsetter. When you're a business that's so dependent on chargeable time from individuals, <laughs> it's quite a hit to go to four days. So I think it's going to be a, personally, I think it's going to be a while before accountancy firms properly look to adopt that. 
Well, the war for, for talent is well and truly waging. <laughs> Perhaps that's the next frontier, right? <laughs> yeah, no, I completely agree. And I think the thing at the moment is that most accounting firms are understaffed because it's just so hard mm. to attract. The pool of people seems to have shrunk since COVID. I don't know why, I don't know the reasons, but it seems to have shrunk. And the, when everyone's overloaded because you've not been able to bring people in, the last thing you want to do is go, we have to deliver the same amount of work, but now in four days rather than five. I think that would break, <laughs> that would break most teams at the moment. <laughs> we need six, not four. Yeah, it, well, it feels very much like six at times, I think. And um, it, it's yeah, how do we give more value back to those those individuals that are investing that time to make sure that we can still deliver the service that we're so keen to deliver as a firm. And having built up the digital aspect of the firm, where do you see that going? Is Have you got uh, grand plans? Are you just, you're uh, on a steady growth path that, that everybody's comfortable with? No, so we do have grand plans. Um, so the whole kind of digital transformation space is still quite new. If I look at or compare yeah. to most firms out there, uh, I still think we're quite a leader in this space. There's a lot of firms that are starting to talk about it, but realistically, it's not something they're delivering on scale. There are a few that do this really well, but there's not a lot that do this on mm. scale. And what we are looking to do at SB Digital is support those firms that want to deliver deliver a system or service like this, but don't have, I guess, the same level of resource that we're lucky to have at, at Scrum Bland. Because to do this properly and do this, I guess, like I said earlier, which is independent, you're not just focusing on a, a small... Yep set of systems and you're kind of shielding yourself from the rest you yep. do need a certain scale so we want to try and support those firms that want to do it but don't that can't do all of it so they might be able to do a certain area and they can do that really well but they can't do everything else and we could support them in, in those areas that, that they can't deliver in so you're going to sort of white label the digital transformation yeah and, uh, offering not only white label we want to set a baseline for what the standard should be so yeah, right. yeah cool. develop a benchmark that this is how good you know we've focused for the last few years on really making sure we deliver a quality service we want to make sure mm. that that's what everyone can deliver um instead of the whole thing of which I, I think it started out as when everyone was dabbling it's like oh i've heard of this system i recommend that system to a business that system might not be relevant for them at all um and you really yeah yeah <laughs> it's just because they've used it before, exactly right? and you really need to understand that business to know and the system to know if that's a, a good link or not and, you know, we've been through the the pain points that are where you don't recommend the right system and it doesn't work for that business and the fallout from it. Mm-hmm. We've learned from that and we want to make sure that we can educate everyone else that's going through this process of trying to bring in the service line, the pitfalls to avoid. And having worked so closely with, you know, the likes of Zero and Dext over the years, what do you think is the most significant technology change since you've sort of been involved in this aspect of accounting and accountants? Well, it depends how far we go back. I mean, as far as you like. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the most significant impact and the one that really made zero work was bank feeds, wasn't it? Um, that was bank yeah. feeds and the bank reconciliation. That was huge. But open banking now, I'd say if we're looking at what's the significant thing right now, it's payments. Payments are booming. Uh, the amount of new bits of technology that are trying to utilize and make payments as easy and as streamlined as possible for businesses, there's more bits of software in this space than will last. There will either be mergers or there'll be ones that fall by the wayside because <laughs> yeah. it's a huge yeah. boom. Yeah. But I wouldn't say there's been a, I think since the bank feeds part, I don't think there's been anything significant. You've got certain areas that big, make a big impact, OCR technology. So the likes of Dext, and you can go into approvals yeah. and beyond that, but the actual capture of data. And I think the next one will be the one that links systems together. So every time they make a sale, it goes into a, a system and then comes as a purchase into the the other and i know there are 
bits of technology out there at the moment that are already trying to solve this. Once they've done that, mm. you know, you don't need the likes of Dext anymore. You don't need scanning yeah. because it automatically will come straight into your finance system from another one. So that's the, I guess, the continuity, the supply chain, right? Mm. The records moving from from one to the other to the other to the other. Oh, well, let's just get two going first. But um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's the Open Banking Initiative in the UK. There's other governments have got e-invoicing yeah. initiatives. Is there similar in, in the UK? Yeah. So obviously, I'd say Australia is probably one of the most well-known e-invoicing initiatives that that I guess as as the news has come out to the UK. I know there's some other countries, especially down in South America, that have mandated it for a while now. In the UK, e-invoicing is mandated for the NHS. So if you work with the NHS, you have to do e-invoicing. And it's used right. more sparingly by larger businesses. They connect systems in to be able to send it back and forth. And some businesses will mandate that you have to connect into their platform to work, which is basically similar to any e-invoicing. I think it's a different term they use, but it's pretty much the invoicing structure. But it's not hit the small business space, which is, um, I guess, where you get a boom. But yeah. I would expect it to, would I expect the UK to mandate it? I don't think they would at the moment. There's too much going on with making tax digital. I think it would probably yep. start coming out through systems that are released that generate value and have e-invoicing as a part of them. I think that's what will happen yep. first. And then it'll become a mandated thing once the government catch up. Yeah, well, it, they've got a vested interest, right? Like yeah. uh, GST in Australia, VAT and in the UK, they love counting their money before it even arrives, like yeah. that, you know, with a pay, live payroll essentially into the government, right? So, where a VAT or a GST or or a sales tax here exists, there is a motivation for the governments to know to remove cash economy and and to be at the heart of, I guess, the transaction process um, to give them an, a view on revenue is pretty critical. Yeah. So, I mean, the whole point of making tax did digital was to, to close that tax gap whether it's going to do yeah. that or not i think the jury is still out <laughs> well, it's definitely creating we'll a come back in a few years <laughs> yeah well it's definitely creating a you know a, an admin burden for those businesses but there's a massive benefit of doing it for businesses as well and it's changing that mindset the bit i think the government will look at is yeah making tax digital is their aim to solve that the e-invoicing would probably improve the quality of it and the reliability yeah. of it but wouldn't give them necessarily the visibility. They need to improve their systems, which I know they've, I think it was only last month that they reported uh, some sort of billion pound investment into their IT systems, which they're contracting for. So they've decided we're not going to do this internally. We're going to send, we're going to basically get contractors in to look to uh, replace some of our aging systems. And I think that's part of how they, they digitize the entire of the HMRC process. Yes. Like anybody, they're, struggling for talent the governments are struggling for it talent and uh trying to keep costs within reason as well i think the i know the irs for instance just tried to hire eighty thousand people or something and yeah you know the, <laughs> it's it's a, a battle for governments across the world and, and accountants obviously organizations but how do you think i keep this timeless but you've had a change of government or a change of prime minister recently what do you think that that has an impact on the Making Tax Digital uh, project and the timelines which would affect you and your clients? Uh, no. I mean, yeah, we've definitely had a change of leadership over in the UK, haven't we? It's, it kind of all happened in a week. What should we do? <laughs> Just rewrite the script of how the UK is going to be run. 
So <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of turmoil, and you know the the prime the new prime minister has already said they're going to make some dramatic changes, but I don't think any of that will impact making tax digital in the timeline. Realistically, what will impact the timeline is the fact that HMRC systems are still struggling to catch up with the deadline that they've they've self imposed. It may be in place, but as we've experienced many times, they have had to delay the release dates because the system is just not ready. Yeah, we may see that for the likes of corporation tax because they already put that back once or twice. I don't think they're going to push back making tax digital for income tax, but what they may do is say that there's a smaller pool of businesses that firstly get brought on, and then they bring in the kind of late, more complex businesses on in in later phases. But I don't think the prime minister will have any impact on that. I think every government, and you know, it was a conservative government that came up with this. I think every government sees the benefit and would want this in place as soon as they could. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's uh, bringing the, you know, like uh, UK might, is it fair to say reputation for uh, perhaps a bit old and stayed? So it's good that uh, these initiatives are, um, are moving the economy forward and being progressive. I mean, the um, at a macro level, like uh, I, I'm sure they've got other things to worry about at the moment. Definitely. We're traditional. That's what we like to say. We're, we're traditional. We're there traditional. you go. That's a better word. But, you know, <laughs> if we compare the, the UK's tax department to the USA tax department, oh. I would say we are <laughs> miles ahead at the moment. You're 100 million years ahead, <laughs> at least. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> the only way, there's still many, many, many parts of the IRS and parts of state, you know, tax agencies that the only way to communicate is uh via fax yeah that's the only way so they, so uh anything ahead of the 1980s is well and truly ahead of the, of the u.s don't worry about that definitely yeah so although we moan we love to moan about uh hmrc over in the uk of course well it's speaking of tradition <laughs> that, that is the tradition. It is it is queuing and moaning about hmrc i think that's what we have <laughs> lines here lines they, 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 they look at me blankly when i say queue but uh yes <laughs> well ryan it's been fascinating to catch up look congratulations with all your success at uh, scrutton bland i know that um you're at the forefront of digital transformation in the accounting industry and for that, the industry at large is grateful, and I'm sure there's many, many happy customers that uh, have have experienced transformation that um, has improved their lives and uh, made operating their businesses so much easier. Yeah, I think so. I mean, we're pairing insignificance compared to the successes of carbon, but oh, we like to do our bit. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan Piercy, thank you for joining the Accounting Leaders Podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you found this discussion interesting, fun, you'll find lots more to help you run a successful accounting firm at Carbon Magazine. There are more than a thousand free resources there, including guides, articles, templates, webinars, and more. Just head to carbonhq.com resources. I'd also love it if you could leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to this podcast. Let us know you like this session. We'll be able to keep bringing you more guests for you to learn from and get inspired by. Thanks for joining and see you in the next episode of the Accounting Leaders Podcast.